Are you ready to uncover the power within you? Are you ready to kick butt at life? Are you ready to get this party started? This is Shut Up and Grind. If it's about fitness, women's empowerment, personal development, small business marketing, relationships, Robert B. Foster is talking about it. Robert is a gym owner. He went from foreclosure to multiple six figures in 12 months. Helped thousands of women shed weight and inches while becoming more confident. And a six times gold medalist in the Transplant Games of America. Get ready for Shut Up and Grind. Here's your host, Robert B. Foster. live yet are we live yet yes we are happy wednesday everyone this is rob foster with episode number 25 of shut up and grind with robert b foster so today we're going to be talking about you who are you what moves you how how do you work best and to help me out with that conversation i found a woman by the name of cricket harrison and now I don't have the bio right in front of me. There we go. Cricket is an engaging, entertaining speaker, inspiring her audiences to think and do things differently. She teaches her audience to set themselves up for smart success by working the way they work best to outproduce and outperform their competition. That's a great bio. That, that makes me have to like upgrade my bio. <laughs> How you doing, Cricket? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know everything's good over here. How about you? Awesome. Same, same, you know, good. We're a couple minutes late today, but you know, I had a meeting with fitness professionals, so we had to uh, get that going. So you're a speaker, author, and everything else. So how, when did you first want to become a speaker or you knew that was your gift? Oh gosh. I anchored the news in fifth grade in Miss Cooper's Hello. class. And I was hooked. Uh, I think the challenge with the broadcast journalism major was I always wanted to be the anchor. I didn't want to do the outside <laughs> work. So it was always in my path. I majored uh, in psychology and communication. So most of my uh, programs or, or classes I chose had presentations to them. I'd much prefer to do a presentation over a paper or mm. a 10-page exam or essays. So yeah. I always went that route. Nice. Yeah, like I have the same, the same issue. I have I have an outline for a book. I've had it for years. And yeah. I'm a much better I don't want to say I'm a much better speaker than I am a writer. I think I enjoy speaking more than writing, put it that way. So the outline's kind of just sitting there. <laughs> so one day I'll get it done. <laughs> hey, that's why there's ghostwriters. They exist for a reason. They are our best friends sometimes. True. Yes, this is true. And and one will definitely be be my best friend. <laughs> 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 All right. So let's talk about how, how many books have you written? I've, I've only done the one and I was right. in the process of revising it. And in all honesty, when my mother got ill, the process of revising it became very unimportant. So it's uh, still in lingo or, okay. or limbo, I should say. But but what was really interesting was, you know, things happen for a reason. And in that time period of me taking a break and taking a step back, I started uh, having different experiences and seeing new things. So now I'm in the process of creating an entirely new book. Okay. That will encompass the old book in itself, but it's a little deeper and goes a little broader into communication, how to work the way you work best and how to increase your performance and productivity. Nice. And so now what, what made you choose that, that niche? Um, it's what I've always done. You know, I'm a believer that if you go back and look at all the different jobs you've had or all the things you're attracted to or drawn to, there's what I call your golden thread. There's something in there. And for me, it was always around speaking and presenting. There's definitely some teacher in me. And there's, you know, that leader. I have to admit, I'm a Leo. So a little bit of ego so maybe in there. Woohoo! See? Yes. So, so maybe a little <laughs> bit of ego in there too. But, you know, it's, it's, I took material that I had from my previous work and thought, you know, there's a lot of stuff I know here that people think only applies to one set of individuals. And my belief was that everybody should understand how they work, how they work best, what's the best environment for them, and then what's their skill set. I think sometimes we're not so clear. You know, whenever we're really good at something, we think it's normal and everybody can do it. And so it's helping people understand 
you know, where am I the best? What am I bringing to the team? What am I bringing to the organization? Or for my entrepreneurs, it's like, how do I excel at what I do best and understand that and know how to delegate or get rid of something else, how to remove stuff off my plate? So I started speaking to grow my business. And I just started using all the traits from psychology and communication that I had been trained in and just applied them to a broader business market. Nice. Solid answer. Thanks. <laughs> you are right. You do know your material very well. <laughs> so I do something similar. I'm actually just starting it. Haven't even haven't even launched it yet, but I call it the Speak About Yourself Out Loud program. Okay. And you know, I'm finding that people they don't realize that they have gifts. Like they don't realize it. And I feel like a lot of it is from indoctrination as children is people think like you have to go to work you got to pound out 16 hour days to be successful and you got to have things to show your success and not realizing that there are things that you do on a daily basis that the world needs would you agree with that absolutely and then i think the next question for for so many of us becomes how do I share about that and put that out there without sounding like I'm a braggart or self-absorbed or that it's all about me? Yes, yes. Ag- agreed. A hundred percent. Because for someone like me, have you heard of the, the speaker, Eric Thomas? I'm not sure. It doesn't ring a bell off the top of my head, but I I, I go through and, re- and read and listen to a lot. So it's possible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's a less brown disciple. Yeah, so I joined his speaker program few few years ago thinking, you know, I'm a good speaker. I've been doing this this my my whole life and they he just like completely stripped down how I how I present. And it's not so much like what you tell, it's how you tell it. Well, so, and I love that you say you did that because so many people start out saying, "Oh, I'm a good speaker. I do this all the time." And then they do the the kiss of death. I can speak on anything. Oh, yeah. that's never But you have to be at a place where you're willing to learn. I don't know any top level speaker, Les Brown and all those greats included, that don't continually still put their material out there, get feedback from their colleagues that are at their level that do they do the work. Yeah. You know, they they do the work. It's not. And so sometimes, yeah, we have to kind of come back and and kind of check the ego at the door and say, hey, there are some great pieces here. And we got to come back to square one to make it even better. Yes, exactly. Like with my, my gym, I say this all the time. You know, I started out trying to do everything, trying to do, you know, boot camp and yoga and Pilates and boxing and just all these different things. And I can work with this group, that group, this group. And yeah. now I just, I just target moms. That's it. There you go. <laughs> like I just target moms. And now and it's like I have an identity. Business? Oh, it, it changed it. It changed it dramatically because A, it's easier to market. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when yeah. you're laser focused in one area and then you become known as someone who's an expert in that area. Right. So, you know, women have have a baby and I've worked with, you know, hundreds, hundreds, if not thousands. And they know that, hey, you know, go see this guy over here. Yeah, you, know? you built a reputation. And, and I always love that because now you are you are not just a generalist. You're an expert in an area and, you know, People always forget that. They're like, well, I can, I'm like, I can do lots of things, but you've got to get known for one thing. And then they might say, okay, now that I'm a mom and my kids are older, maybe that same mom's been coming to you for years. Now they're going through different hormonal issues. They're still going to come back to you. Yeah. You know, they don't, because A, they're still a mom, hopefully, but you know, there's, (laughs) they're neat. And people forget that. They think if I just, if I isolate or pick one thing, you know, my my social media speakers, I'm like, their LinkedIn experts are booming right now. And yet other social media people are hesitant to be an Instagram expert or a TikTok expert or whatever it is. And yet those are the experts being hired. And of course, those experts know how to use other platforms. But there's got to be some type of thing that you're a master of that brings you in the door. Yeah. Yeah. And for for me, it's it's Facebook. Like I yeah. use all the all the channels, but I'm the most visible on Facebook. I mean, it's the one that I give the most attention to as well. Right, <laughs> so that's, right. that's probably why. But so when working with your clients, what's the what's the first step? So somebody sees your sees your ad or they, they go to your website, they want more in- information. What's the first step of your process? Yeah. So, so mostly for my entrepreneurs, it's really interesting on the entrepreneur market side of things. People always want to know they want help with speaking. How do I use speaking and presentations to grow my business? 
And so a couple of places I start with them is a, how do you even speak about your business? What's your message? You know, people call it your elevator pitch. I call it just your intro because you're not pitching anybody. It's just your intro. What's your intro. And then I'm listening in there for uh, the problem they solve. Yes. And I will tell you probably 80% of the time, I don't get the problem they solve. And so whether you're a speaker or you're just trying to speak about your business. And so for anyone listening who says, well, I'm not a speaker, you're all speaking about your business. You're just doing it in a different platform in a different way right now. But when you could market, when you're networking online or networking in person or even in line at the grocery store and you strike up a conversation, at some point you're speaking about your business or what you do. And so it all comes back to this. What's the problem you solve? What are you known for? And that comes back. It doesn't matter how experienced someone comes to me. It's we always come back to that foundational piece because without that foundation, it's hard to gain traction. Yes. And and I find, too, in my travels, you know, to your point, is that so many people don't know who they serve. <laughs> like they, or they the just problem don't they solve. Know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, too. That, too. I'm working yeah. with a physical therapist now. And I'm just just trying to trying to let him see that, you know, like within your practice, you know, you can see whoever it is you see. I said, but, you know, we're trying to get him an online presence also. I said, so in your online presence, you know, he's a former D1 basketball player. He's tall. He's like 6'10". He's a tall dude. He makes me look short. But I tell him, why don't you be known for helping basketball players recover from ACL tears? I said, that right there puts you in a class pretty much by yourself. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. And then the minute he gets known for that, the football player, he's going to go to a football player, buddy and say, Hey, no, you need to go to my guy. He's known for athletes with it'll go from basketball players to athletes with ACL tears. And from there, it might go to a tennis player. It might actually, you know, the brand will expand organically on its own when you are known for something. And that's another question I do ask people is what is it you want to be known for? Because oftentimes what we're known for is not what we want to be known for. No, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that, you know, we need to be in touch with what the public and uh, our clients are saying about us and how they're referring us, because that's the narrative that's created around our brand. And so is that what you want to be known for? And if not, then how do you slowly start shifting that to where it's not a shock to the people that follow you? Yes. Yes. So to that point, that was something that I was struggling with before because I just started this podcast this year. And it's something that I thought of doing, but I didn't know what to speak on. And it's just like I can I can speak about, you know, teens. I can speak about city life. I can speak about race relations. I just, just started going down all the different avenues. And I had such a hard time packaging it together. And then that's where I came up with it says shut up and grind now. But 10 years ago. I used to have, remember Blog Talk Radio? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, so I used to have one on there called Shut Up and Exercise. And so I was like, oh, I kind of like the whole shut up theme because like everything I do is pretty much like blunt and this is what, right. this, that's just my style. So right. so that's that title works for me. But I was like, I, but I want to encompass a bigger, a bigger stratosphere. So Shut Up and Grind, that appeals to almost everything. <laughs> like no, no matter what it is out there. So if I get on the stage speaking to athletes, you want to become the best athlete, you got to drop the excuses and grind. You want to grow your business, right. drop the excuses and grind. You know, you want to be a world-renowned speaker, drop the excuses and grind. So when you're working with clients, what do you hear as the top excuses why people aren't where they want to be? You know, when I, it's really interesting. When I'm working with clients and especially in the speaking realm. Um, and it's a place you tread lightly because you, you never want to kind of crush anyone's spirit. But I also find they don't want to admit where they are. Hmm. And so it's hard to get past that. So I'll often have people, you know, say something about speaking, but they're not converting. They're not, they might be speaking for no fee all the time, but they're not converting. They're not getting clients. Hmm. They're not and so the excuses they make is it's never about the talk. 
it's always about something else. And they yeah. could be about something else, wrong audience, something, ha whatever. There's always something. But I think at some point we always have to turn back and look within and not from a place of blame, yeah. but from a place of what can I own? What's changed? What, what can I do differently or better? What do I need to get rid of? And that's where you can start seeing where the uh, what's real <laughs> and what are the excuses, you know? Yes. So sometimes it's, it's sometimes honestly for, for my speakers, it's the excuses that, Oh, I'm good. I don't need to practice. Mm. And then they don't show up on stage or on a networking event as clearly and as succinctly as they'd like to. And they don't understand why. And, and it becomes about something else. I always yeah. like to use the word what, and not why or how, not like, why didn't this work? Or how come this isn't happening? But it's like, what got in the way? What do I need to do differently? Uh, what could I have done beforehand? So we start making it about the challenge or the excuse or the blocking point, whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, but it, of course, it always comes down to time. You know, that's probably still the number one, you know, <laughs> oh, I didn't have time. Or I don't, I don't need it. I can already do this. You know, I don't have enough time to schedule anything in. And it's really interesting to me because it is a hard play. You know, when you are speaking and you are kind of butting up against excuses, um, it's hard. You know, it's a, it takes a lot to put yourself out there to send someone video to review, to help you with, to go over. And, you know, for any athletes listening and for you, Rob, you know, that athletes watch tape. They review tape all the time. Yeah. They have to sit through it. Yep. So it's not about... Um, it's not about blame or putting anyone back or, or getting involved in excuses. It's about naming what's going on and figuring out how to move forward. Yes. Yes. The speaker group that I'm in, we, they're constantly t telling us reps, 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 reps to like get reps to like pick a title, speak on it. It's like Dasani, speak about Dasani right now. Next, speak about cell phones. Like just tie your core story into the cell phone and just have us hammering out the reps. But after every podcast I do, after every speech I give, I immediately go right back and I listen to the whole thing all over Good. again. Yeah. And you end up taking notes on it. It's like, oh, I, I stammered too many times or I I broke eye contact here or just whatever. You know, just write down, you know, like you said, with, with the, the coaches on mo Monday morning, they're all in the film room, the coaches mm -hmm. and the athletes. So so from from there, so you said the, the first step is getting them clear on what problem they solve what's right. step two step two is helping them look at why they're speaking what's the goal what's the result they want are they speaking to be a keynote speaker in terms of they want to get paid to speak and walk away maybe sell books to the audience but not really have a dedicated back end fulfillment opportunity or are they speaking for what I call no fee? I never say you're speaking for free because yeah. every time you speak, there is a trade-off. There is something you're getting, whether it's your name out there. I'm not big on the whole exposure thing, but you might be getting <laughs> photos. You might be yeah. getting video, right? You might be getting an introduction to someone else or to a new market to help grow your list. So it depends on what is your goal for speaking. And then, you know, what is the, what is the story order that that goes towards the end result you want. We reverse engineer our talks. And I'm kind of known for the networking 15, 20, 30 minute talks, although keynotes now with technology are getting shorter and shorter with more interaction. Mm. But I've done some TEDx coaching as well because those short talks need to be really succinct, but you still need your content and you still need your stories. And so you have to figure out, you know, what's the end result yes. I want from this? And then it's okay. Are these stories going to get me there? How do these stories support my material? And if they don't, and if they're not the absolute best stories to support the end result you want, then we tweak the stories. But so we really go from, you know, what do I want to be known for? And what's the problem I solve? And then, you know, what are you speaking for? Is it, is it again to keynote or is it to grow your business with a speak to sell format to use speaking as your marketing tool? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a place a lot of people don't understand is that speaking is a marketing strategy and there is a strategy behind it. It's yes. not just show up and give a talk that you think is great. And I'll, <laughs> I'll share this just because it fits right now. Uh, and, and I have to say, I see this more with women than men. I don't know why. Maybe that's because I speak to more women's groups. But when all your people come up to you and they go, oh, we really love that. It was great. And they just kind of smile, kiss a death in business. 
Yes. Right. If you're getting, oh, you were great. We loved you, but you're not getting clients and you're not making sales, then you need to step back and we need to go back to the strategy and what we're known for and what's the problem we're solving. Yeah, I, I feel like some of that, too, is from a lack of a call to action. When they get up there, they rock the stage and it's like, OK, bye. So yes and no, because I generally don't give a call to action. I'm more trained in the keynote side. I generally okay. don't give a call to action. However, I always get some get a client or something out of it because my nice. my talk, you know, I've, I've nailed my talk. And yeah. so people come up to me and they want to engage with me. And that's where it occurs. They want to know more. Plus, at most networking events. So if you're going with a speak to sell model or speaking to grow your business model, I have the opportunity to have either a business showcase table or what would have been a table at a live event to put my stuff out. That's where I'm connecting people. My goal is to be so good and so good in 15 to 20 minutes that people come up to me. Yes. And say, how did you do that? I want to know more because I'm repping my product when I speak. I'm not <laughs> yep. speaking about something else. Right. Yeah. And so they want to know, how did you do it? What did you do? You know, or they talk to me and that's where I start getting interaction. And I get interaction from the people who want to be around me or have more to do with me. You know, yes. there's a zillion free opt ins out there that I guarantee you your audience has downloaded and never looked at or not done anything with. So yes, it builds your list, but if it builds your list with the wrong people or people who are only looking for freebies, that's not, it doesn't convert as easily. Let's put it that way. It takes yes. a whole lot more time versus people coming up to you, messaging you, you know, sending you private chats while you're speaking and going, oh my gosh, I need this. I want to know more. When can we set up a time to talk? You know, that's how good you're. So yes, you can have a call to action. A lot of places don't allow you to have a call to action other than, mm. oh, if you want the slides or here's my freebie, but the audience is so trained in that these days that you've got to be different. Okay. They know it's coming. So it's not that it's bad, but I encourage people to be so good at what they do that it's not necessarily needed. Mm, I like that. I like that. Yeah. I spoke at, at a virtual summit and I don't have one either. So just wanted to throw, throw that out there, but, but same, but same thing. It's like at the, at the end of my, my talk, I was getting uh, private messages left and right. It's like, Hey, I want to connect just about crafting the story. That's what that particular one was about. So like I take people's life experiences and I help them turn them into powerful stories. Like my sister had, had a brain aneurysm burst. And there's an entire, I put together an entire story around that. And it's, it's, it's powerful. I'm trying to get her to tell her own story because, you know, those things have a 20% survival rate and she's in that 20%. And I'm trying to get her to just em embrace it, embrace that power. Like you were, you were spared for a reason. And there's so many people out there that have things inside of them that for whatever reason, they just don't think is worthy to be shared, but I help them see that there's power in that. So when you're working with your clients, do you, do you just take what they, what they give you and work with that? Or do you help them pull, pull out even more as well? So it depends on what their goal is. Yeah. You know, it truly depends. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't share all of my backstory. Uh, it doesn't, mm -hmm. that makes it more about me. It's not necessarily what's going to serve my audience going forward. When yeah. I see people that, and, and I, I agree, everybody's got some amazing stories and they're so normal to them that they forget to, they don't think about them as anything like that. They just for, forget that they're there. They're like, oh yeah, I did that a couple of years ago. And we're like, wow, mm. you did what? You know, like you need to talk about that. <laughs> but the key with all of this is anytime you're selling a story about yourself, it really has to be about the audience. And yeah. the audience has to have the problem or know people that have the problem. Otherwise they kind of check out. Yeah. You know, if somebody starts talking about something that I have no experience with, I don't know anybody with, it's not that it won't be interesting, but am I going to sit through a 20 or a 30 minute or an hour talk and not be on my phone the whole time? And mm. this day and age with our population, they're going to be on their phone unless you learn how to take your experience into the content, meaning the lesson. What did it teach you? What did you gain from it? How did you use that going forward and incorporate the audience so that they now know how to tap into something that they can use going forward?
Yes, I tell my clients that nobody cares about your story. It's <laughs> like at first, like nobody cares. So, but they care about your story, how it relates to them. Absolutely. So pretty much same same scenario. Yeah, same scenario as you said. So when I tell my sister's story, I don't just get up and just tell my sister's story. So if I'm speaking with a group about defying the odds, it could be about resilience, about perseverance, you know, but any one of those, those topics, I weave her story in regards to whatever that main topic is. So mm-hmm. I do a very good job at keeping people engaged. You know, kind of like like you. Like I have a lot of confidence when I either step on stage, step in fr- in front of the camera, right. and I hold I hold people's attention. But it's because I make it about them. And do you find that people struggle with that? Uh, absolutely. And I love what you said, and I just want to highlight it because for so many people, they're being taught to tell their whole story up front. So you're in a 20 or 30 minute talk and the first 10 or 11 minutes, if not 15 is all about their story. And you said you weave your story in to make your points. That's how you do it. You drip it through. You might have a short little one or two minute kind of setting the foundation thing, but you have to weave your story in. And, you know, I I do. So again, this is a hard place because I never want to, everybody's story is important. Yeah. It's not always as important as they think it is. (laughs) And that's where we have to do the work. Yeah. So when someone comes to me and says, uh, so I had someone come to me and say, well, I want to, I want to do, uh, she originally wanted to do a memoir, but then she wanted to do speaking because she was the caregiver for her parent. And I said, great, I'm a caregiver for my mom. How are we different? She says, well, I've been doing this, whatever. I said, I've been doing this for this many years. How are we different? What are you going to teach me? Mm-hmm. Well, I just, how are we different? What's the problem you're solving? And so what we had to take is we all have experiences, but we have to figure out how we're different and why it needs to be said and shared. There are thousands of caregivers. So there's great opportunity for conversations on resilience and how to get through things. But you have to find your in There's a balance of, yes, the audience can all relate. Yes. Up to the point of I already know all this. What's new? And you have to find that again. How are we different? So it's not that the story is not important. It's how do we make it your experiences about the audience and not about you. And when I'm speaking, I always tell people, especially in their introductions, you know, if you have a 60 second introduction, the more times you say I, the more it becomes a monologue. Mm. There's no interaction. There's no engagement. There's no sharing of information and expertise. It's like, look at me, you know? And (laughs) so it's the same for your story. It's, it's how do I make it not about me? How do I make it important to everybody in the room or so that everybody in the room has someone that they can relate it to? Yes. And yeah. people forget that. So one one friend I wrote, I kind of came to the conclusion and I <laughs> said, you know what? You really should just do the memoir because you really just want to tell your story without necessarily teaching points and without, but I think at some point she kind of came back to the idea of, it's not that it's a bad story. It's a good story, but it had to have purpose and content other than just let me tell my story. Yes. And content doesn't have to be number one, number two, number three. It's just kind of lessons learned or or experiences shared and kind of what you gained out of it. And you can change the languaging around what that looks like, but there's kind of that there's, there's something that the audience is walking away with to think or do differently. Yes. Yes, I agree. I agree hundred percent. So when, when I'm speaking, I usually start with a story that's just completely unrelated. Like usually it's, it's funny, humorous, you know, like a good, good icebreaker. Like I tell one a lot about an apple Bob contest when I was in second grade and it's like people think apple Bob contest, but like that story hit, it kills every single time, (laughs) every time. Like I had, I got it dialed down. Like it's funny. It's still, it's still somewhat in the realm of whatever the topic, but, but it's funny. It gets everyone loose. And then mm-hmm. I go into what we're going to talk about. And then, like I said, then just from there, I start weaving in, you know, my experiences into, into the main topics. So, like I don't even start with like my background or where I went to school mm-hmm. or whatever else. Like, cause that, that stuff means nothing. But if you're talking about the process, the process of me deciding to, 
to not go back to college. Like that, that's a different story that we then, but, but, but to just like basically read off your resume, like that, that doesn't do anything except make people I have the greatest like example said. for that. I, um, so I always tell mm-hmm. people, cause they're like, Oh, you know, somebody used to teach that, that you open up and you have to establish credibility. Yeah. And I believe that when you are put up in front of people and put on the stage, you are given credibility and it is yours to lose. Agreed. So, so here's what I always tell people when I'm trying to break them of the mold of what worked 10 years ago is not working now. And I say, imagine Elton John or, you know, some famous musician comes out on stage and before they do anything, this is their opening. Hi. My name is Elton John. Well, now, Sir Elton John, but I was born with this name. I started playing piano when I was given a piano when I was about four years old. You know, I had rough relationships. Girl, and he gives his whole bio. Can you imagine if he walked out on stage? You're at that concert for the entertainment, for the delivery, for the material, for what you went into expecting to get out of. Mm. Not for him to justify why he's up there. Now. Yes. If he came out and got up there and did a really bad job, which, of course, we know would never happen, then he's going to. So let's just say for fun that that it was an imposter and nobody knew it. So it was like one of those lookalikes and they did a really bad job. Then all (laughs) of a sudden credibility goes way down. Right. Yep. But you don't you don't. And that's what I love about what you're saying is so many people don't get this idea of that. You weave this in. You know, somebody's introduced you. They've got your bio, which really a bio is separate from an introduction. Yes. And, you know, it's yours to to take command. I don't want to say take control, but take command once you're there. Yep. You know? Yeah. Even when I train new new fitness coaches, I tell them, you know, when they're having their first session, as I said, I, I realize you're brand new. The second you walk into that, that facility, you have the power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, don't hand it back to them. Yeah, that's what you're the expert for. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I said, so don't start yielding to them because it's your first day and you're, and you're nervous because the, the second they don't respect you, you you're lost. You're lost. And you have to walk right. in there, chest up and, you know, do your thing. Speak, speak with authority, show up powerfully and you, you'll have the respect right from the get go. So I agree with that point 100 percent. Yep. Good stuff. All right. So from there, three. In the process. In the wit process. <laughs> <laughs> well, our brains aren't connected here. <laughs> no. So from when you're sitting down with the clients. So you said the first step was what problem do you solve? You know, the further unpackaged it in step step two. So what's the next step in that process? So it's really interesting because that's why I laughed when you said the process. I don't do a cookie cutter approach. Yeah, I have certain things that I want people to have and they come in at all different levels and experiences and I work with what they have and then just expand on it. Ideally, from that place, what we do is then we outline the talk. Yeah. You know, you said something really interesting about the Dasani water bottle and the phone and and whatever it is. That's a great practice tool. Uh, What I find is that most people have stories they already have. And then we get the foundation of their talk, meaning what is the point they want to get across? What is the purpose of the talk? What's the end result? And that kind of becomes your meat and bones. That's your body, right? That's like, if you're, if you're looking, say at a skeleton, that's the skeleton framework. And then we look at, okay, what stories do you have to add the flesh and personality to the skeleton to bring it to life? Those are your stories. Your content pieces typically don't change. And then yeah. you customize and tweak your stories. So we'll look for co- d- uh, different stories that then support based on if my audience is all fitness people versus if my audience is accountants. Do I want to tweak my stories? Mm. Do I change something? But what what I want to highlight is people say, you know, I've got this great story, you know, and we look at where it plugs in. Eventually, you get to the point of you have an experience and you go, oh man, I just had this amazing experience with this Dasani water bottle. So shout out to Coke. We're giving you lots of credit here. Um, <laughs> and, and you learn that you know your, 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 your business, your structure, you, what you talk about. You know everything so well. Uh, so say you talk about customer service, that you can instantly turn this into a story about customer service that fits your talk. 
Yes. So people start out knowing stories, having stories and plugging them in. And then you get to the point where you can take any story and know how to make it work. Yes. Yeah. So like to, to expand further on what I meant by this, another plug for uh, Dasani is like same, same thing. So we have our core story and then you, you weave everything else through your core story. So for, for an example, one of ours was we got the Avengers. And so mm-hmm. when I'm doing my core story geared towards fitness and weight loss, I was just telling people about, you know, you have to, I'm giving you the short version. It's like, you know, you have okay. to take your, you have to take accountability for your health and fitness. So you have to become your own hero. Said so the Avengers aren't coming to save you. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. like you just have to weave something into your core story and make it work. Right. So, so yeah. So they, they just, that's to help you with the outside the box thinking, which I saw on your website. Yep. <laughs> All right. So speaking of your website, so I, I'm over here. I know you can't see it, but I watched your video and the procrastination very, video. Well, yes. So it was very, very well, well done. So now what, what other topics do you speak on? So that, that's so interesting. So I mentioned earlier that when I'm with entrepreneurs, what they want to know about is speaking. When I'm speaking to associations and businesses, what I speak on is communication and how to use communication to increase productivity and performance. Okay. So on on the one hand, it's all about speaking. On the other side, it's more the broader picture of communication and what that looks like. So most of my uh, talks are just the general kind of the universal, what we call a keynote. Mm-hmm. that I can take into customer service. I can take into leadership. I can take into sales. Those are kind of my three key areas with communication. Okay. And then I've done some smaller. So, so the video you're referring to is I do a talk that I had some fun with and it's called uh, discover your procrastination profile. And then the tagline says why putting things off is putting you out of business. And that came from talking about productivity and performance and understanding why people do and don't take action, as well as years of me working with entrepreneurs who tend to have tons of ideas, but struggle to take all the actions they want or to delegate. And I came up with my own five procrastination profiles. So when I speak about that, I, it's a great, you know, lunchtime afternoon talk. It could be a funny evening talk, but it's typically not the closing talk. And it's a great breakout session. And it's one that people have fun with. But I point out the cost of procrastinating. If you are a business owner with a team or a staff, people don't think about this. So it's got not only some fun tips, but it's got some concrete. This is what it's costing your company. This is what you can do about it. This is how do you ad- how you address it. And in order to increase our pro- productivity and our performance, both as individuals and a team, because you can imagine a team trying to function yeah. if, you know, three out of seven or eight people are procrastinating and not making their deadlines. So I'm able to take the communication piece and the productivity and performance piece and loop it all together in everything I do. So that, that's where that video comes. So most of it's right. on that. <laughs> Okay. All right. So now you talk about getting people to to work their best. Let's talk about that. So like what what does that mean? That means understanding your strengths, understanding what you're good at, being okay with what you're not good at. You know, so many people again to procrastinate because they're unsure, they're afraid of not getting it right. They're afraid it's not going to be good enough. Well, A, if you never take action, it never will be. But then, hey, I guess you can't fail, right? But <laughs> it's, um, you know, learn to say, hey, I, you know, I, I'm a rock star at this stuff. This is what I really excel in. And either find someone to help you with what you're not good at or find a, a workaround. And, it, you know, if you're in a position where you are working for someone else, you can't always just go up and say, hey, not my thing, sorry. (laughs) But you can get resources. You can ask for help and support both within your company or the Google machine. Oh my gosh, there's nothing you can't learn on Google right now, right? (laughs) But it's understanding, hey, if I want to be successful, I need to make sure that both my internal environment, which is kind of in your head, right? It's your nutrition, it's your health, It's, did I sleep well last night? Did I have a fight with my kids? Were we late getting out the door? Did, you know, what is the state of mind I'm in? 
as well as what's the external environment. I mean, I've had people who say, all right, work gives me a headache. I just, you know, I got to find a different job. And all we did was change the lighting. Wow. It was the fluorescent <laughs> lighting that triggered their migraines. It wasn't that they hated their job, but they hadn't related it to their environment. Now they know wherever they work, they change out the bulbs, they bring the, the lamp. So there's the skill set, obviously, but people don't realize that there's so much more involved in how we set ourselves up for success. As a speaker, before I walk on stage, there are certain things I need to have in place. They are not to be all high maintenance. Yeah. They are to make sure that I have set myself self up for the best experience possible for my stakeholder or the person that brought me in and for my audience. Right. You have to know those things about yourself. I work better with a handheld mic. I work better with a, a lapel mic or, or a, you know, an ear mic, mm. whatever that is. You have to know. Don't expect other people to figure this out. True. And if you find yourself where you're being put in a situation all the time that is totally against your strengths, ask somebody, say, hey, you know, I noticed you're always asking me to do this. I feel like I don't have that much experience in it. Can you tell me what you see? Sometimes people see traits that we don't know we're good at because we take it for granted. And so you might get that answer and you might get that. Well, nobody else will do it, which teaches you mm -hmm. you need to stand up for yourself a little bit more. Yes, you know, I agree with that 100 percent, 100 percent, because like I do better with a handheld mic. Like I don't like I don't like the Britney Spears mics. Like yeah. I, I just don't like I like I, I don't know maybe maybe it's a control thing I don't know but I, I just like to have it. Well, it in does my help hand. you not have jazz dancey hands, you know. <laughs> yeah, the, it really so as does. You can see it. I'm fidgety. Like I'm const I'm constantly yeah, it moving. To, it gives you something to base yourself on, so it is mm. really nice. I don't yeah. mind the Britney Spears. I don't mind the over-the-ear mic. <laughs> um, for me and uh, for a lot of people, you need to use uh, the skin-colored tape and make sure it stays. Mm. Ladies, you can't wear dangly earrings. Matter of fact, I have no earrings in at all just because I have earbuds in and because yep. they make noise. You have to learn those things. Mm. Um, I am not a fan of lapel mics. And mostly because unless you're turning your whole body when you speak, if you turn your face away and it's over here or vice versa, mm. It uh, it doesn't always pick up sound as clearly, especially for recording. But yes. the other side to this is have two ways. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of people who use either two ear mics with separate battery packs. So if one goes out, they can flip to the other and uh -huh. just seamlessly keep going. Like there's all sorts. And it just depends on who you are and what makes you your best for whatever you do. Yep. Yep. I, I agree. Like I, I've been told numerous occasions about this you know like if you you want to be taken more seriously you got to dress more more appropriately and like appropriately i'm like i own a gym yeah it fits your brand <laughs> you know now if i showed up like that a you'd tell me to go to the gym more but it doesn't fit my brand right so it doesn't make sense and and there's a balance there you want to kind of fit your brand but you do not have to match your brand all the time i yeah. see people all the time oh everything has to match and i said but then it becomes more about your colors and your brand than about your message exactly so you need to make sure that you while it is part of you and your brand that you stand apart in terms of you can be heard for your message and not just the brand that's behind you Yes, absolutely. I, I, I spoke here at the uh, Northern Rhode Island Chamber of Commerce. It was a couple of years ago. And I, I had a sweatshirt on, you know, my RBF Fitness sweatshirt. I have yeah. RBF Fitness pants and I had an RBF Fitness winter cap. And so I walked in, everybody else is in suits. Right? And yeah. I walk in, in in my sweats. And like you could cut the judgment with, with a knife, like the second yeah. I walked yeah. in the room. But at the end of that meeting, though, Everybody was coming out looking for my cards. How do I contact you? Right. You know, great job with your talk. I said, I said, huh? And y'all were doubting me when I walked in the door. Exactly. <laughs> like you had no idea what was going to come out. Yeah. And I love that you stood true to who you were. I think so often people try to change it. So, you know, I usually, for my industry and my business, I'm usually dressed, well-dressed on stage. But it also depends on who your audience is, because you want to be somewhat at the level or slightly above, but not way above. You don't want to seem so distant that it's unattainable. You want to show that you get them and that you're professional. But if I'm in an audience that, say, is a tire company or whatever, I might be in jeans. Now, being who I am, I might have heeled boots on or heels on or just something. 
but I'm going to be mm. probably in jeans. I'm going to fit my audience and what is true for my brand. And yet you'd never see anything in blue jeans right now on my brand. Mm. But it's because you know who you are. Yes. It's because of the confidence you can go in that you know who you are, that you can do that. And so when you're confident in who you are and what you're speaking about, you can pull that off. And then people are like, oh, yeah, it makes perfect sense now. Yeah. And I think that's a big, a big part of what we do is just helping people become confident in who, who they are. Because so, so many right. people, they just don't realize the gifts they have. And I'll take I'll take myself. So I managed restaurants for 20 years. And I was and I was a uh, captain of my sports teams gr growing up. So constantly in leadership positions, talking, motivating, encouraging, supporting, and then right. same thing as a restaurant manager. You spend the entire shift calming people down, <laughs> you know, because it's a very high stress environment. Bless you. <laughs> you know, and then given your sales meetings and your your staff trainings and corporate meetings. So I was constantly always in front of people talking, but yet I thought as I was listening to Zig Ziglar back then and Jim Rohn and mm -hmm. Jim Rohn and Les yeah. Brown and th thinking that like, there's no way on earth I'd be able to, to do what they're doing. Not realizing I already am. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think so many people struggle with that because they, they, they don't think that they're as close to their dream as they actually are. Well, and I love what you said about all your experiences because Everybody can hear that you've done multiple things. People think I've got to be locked into something for 30 years. No, you don't. And let me tell you, running restaurants and managing teams and turnover and complaints and, oh, my gosh, I, I, I feel for you. Um, <laughs> right. But can you imagine the amount of stories just from that, that time in your life alone? not including all the other things. You've got enough for probably a hundred talks in there. Oh yeah, I have a and lot in my arsenal. People forget, people forget, and it only takes a few for a really great speech, but people forget that they've got those experiences. Yes, yeah, one of the exercises we, we had in our group was to, to write down things mm -hmm. that you're proud of. And to, to start, it was really difficult. Because there, there were things that, that I've done that to me, that's just normal stuff, you know, right. like training, training to be to be an all American athlete. To, to me back then, that was just that was my routine. Like that was what I did. So when I actually looked back and started writing out what I used to do, it's like, holy crap, that's intense. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, and, and I can take that and help coach other athletes or just people in general who was struggling with going to the next level. Like, you know, well, to get to this level, I had to X, Y, Z. And again, weave my story into their, into their right. struggles, you know, but it's like, it took me a while to, to re and like the Apple Bob story. I, I forgot all about, I long forgot about that. And I, and when it first popped into my head, I chuckled about it. Then I was like, wait a minute. Like, I really think I can expand on that. And I told you, and, and it hits every single time. So it was like, who would have thought? Yeah, that's great. That's great. There, there's so much out there that that people forget about that they have. And I think, you know, kind of circling back to the whole is it their story thing. I think everybody has a voice that needs to be heard, a story that needs to be shared. You know, there's oftentimes people say everybody has a book in them. And yes. the difference is, uh, and you know, again, for my introverts out there, they're like, I don't want anything to do with this. And they don't realize that a lot of speakers, just like actors and comedians are introverts. Uh, so it's a definite place for them. But it's also understanding that there are different platforms and different stages. I think everybody is a platform. Your platform is what you stand for, what you believe in, what's the thing you want to see changed, what's the message you're trying to get out there. Yeah. And then your stage might be, you know, a podcast. It might be a literal stage in front of people. It might be getting paid on stage. It yep. might be getting involved in your local school's PTA to get something changed within the school system. And so yep. I think people think that it has to be so much bigger and more than simply just starting and yep. sharing their story and saying, hey, if I'm in the audience, what do I want somebody to get about this? Because I believe everybody has something to share. Yes. Yes. I agree. And again, just getting people to see that and believe that mm -hmm. that's, that's half the battle. So like when my program starts in a couple of weeks, like that's, we're going to just start right there. We're just 
putting things down on paper. It's like, just what have you done? Like, what have you done? Go all the way back till you can remember <laughs> and just write down everything that you've done. And you'll, you'll be surprised at things that you start uncovering. Well, and that's where my golden thread comes from. It's what's the golden thread? If you look at everything you've done, is there, is it always like you're it's service related? Is it always education related? Is always about, is, was it always sports? Was it always about movement? Was it always a job that you were physical? Like there's all sorts of things. And then I take it, uh, and you probably do this as well, but it's what have you done? What's affected or changed your life? But then what did you learn from it? Yes. What came out of it? What was different? Not just like, so for me, I have three kids. So you might hear a lot of, oh, I had a child. Great. Yes, I had a child. What changed for me because of that? Mm. That's where the stories come in that, and the learning and the lesson and that, that those are the changes that affected our lives that made us choose to do things differently or take different actions. Yes. Yes. Love yeah. that. And, and yes, I do, that. do. I do do that. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's what people don't say. It's not so much the, what happened. It's the, what did you learn? Like the story comes from the, what did you learn? And right. versus, I mean, and then leading into what you're doing now. So like, that's, that's the magic right, right there. Like if I say I had a bad knee injury in 2009, like, okay. <laughs> but, but then when I talk about a change for, for me, right as I became entrepreneur in 2000, four months later I had a very bad injury. and but that journey back like I have several I have several of my talks on different subjects that revolve around that journey from that rehab because it was bad <laughs> you know yeah. but but like to, to just say I did it I was told I'd never run and jump again and I can run run and jump again like that's that's not going to move anyway they're like yeah good good for you but when you actually break down the journey and how it changed my life and how it changed my outlook on the future and how it changed how I how I train my clients, like there's a lot of power in that story. And people just have to realize yeah. that they have that power within them. Well, and there's so many directions you can take a story like that around mindset, around overcoming obstacles, around you know, goals or benchmarks or targets or whatever language you want to yep. use around mm -hmm. just overcoming the odds around, you know, around when you're feeling down and out, how to get back up. There's, I mean, and then think of how many movies are made about that, especially yeah. sports related <laughs> movies, right? Yep. There's a reason because at some level, it's something we, we all need. We all go through those experiences and it's so great to go, okay, yeah, if he did this, I can do this too. Maybe I can see myself doing what he did. Yes. And yeah. like when people tell me that they're either afraid of speaking or I can't be a speaker, I'm like, what's your favorite movie? You know, tell me about it. It's like you just did it. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So it's one of the things, um, one of my mentors who, uh, and I don't know if it was uh, Larry or Suzanne who taught me this, but I want to give them credit. It came, I think it was Larry because I know I've heard it in the speak. I'm part of National Speakers Association and right. it, I hear it there too, is that you know, really step back and figure out if you're nervous. So there's, there's nervous energy and there's nervous. I'm going to be sick. I can't do this. Right. When yeah. it is the one like I'm nervous, I don't feel good or I can't do this or I'm going to stutter or whatever it is. That means you're making it about you. Mm. When you turn your viewpoint to my job is to be of service to my audience. What's the best yes. experience my audience can have. And you take the pressure off yourself and make it yep. about the audience it will take away a lot of those jitters because all those jitters were the inside head going, I can't believe you're doing this. You're not good enough. You've never spoken in front of people. What if they don't like you? Like all that stuff. Yep. But when you make it about the audience and the content and the message you're sharing that is so much bigger than you are, a lot of those nerves and jitters, of course, practice helps too, but mm -hmm. a lot of those nerves and jitters go away. So, you know, I'm clipping that segment out. I'm clipping that right out because that's, that's gold. Okay. That's, that's absolute gold right there. Just keep my name with it and we're good. Of course. Of <laughs> course. I always give the credit where it's due. Always. <laughs> All right. So how do people get in touch with you? They can reach me on my website at smartsuccessinc.com. And anybody interested in speaking me to me can go to smartsuccessinc.com forward slash book a call. Really simple and easy. And of course, I'm on Facebook with you. That's kind of one of the ways we've connected. So Cricket Cody Harrison yeah. on Facebook or uh, Cricket Harrison on LinkedIn, always available that way. Awesome. Any uh, 
final words before we, we wrap it up? I would just love for everyone to start being aware of your stories, whether you want to be a speaker or not. As someone who has been a caregiver, as, as someone who is watching where the world is right now, at realizing that there are so many stories, probably from even my loved ones that I missed out on that I wish I had. Stories are such an important part of life. They're how traditions and history gets passed down. So start thinking about your stories. Everybody has stories. And you know what? Everybody's got a smartphone these days. And all you have to yep. do is go into your notes section or into your voice memos and just record it quickly. Not perfect. You can do that later. You can revisit. But when you get an idea or when you think of a story, whether you want to use it in a talk or you just want to remember to share it with someone, use the, the tools you have with you all the time, whether it's a notepad or really I think the phone is the easiest. And think of the stories you want to share. And I, I just want you again to realize that it's more than just speaking. It's legacy. It goes so much deeper than that, which is why stories are such a big topic right now. And I think, again, everyone has this in them. Agreed. And just to add one, one more layer to it is that you can change someone's life with your story. Yeah. Yeah. Like you really can. You can give someone hope. You can give someone the courage to take action. You can give someone who's feeling lost to feel like they can make it through. And people just don't realize that you have unlimited power in your stories. And, and you won't know that you've done that. I had a woman respond to something online once about, I don't know if it was about followers or about something. And she said, I saw you speak, I think at this point of several years ago. So a while back. And she said, what you, what you said really helped change the direction and cha changed my life. I never knew about it till that moment, which was then at least five years later. I have no idea wow. what I said. I have no idea where I spoke because it was so long ago. And she didn't tell me at the time. So you never know the effect you have on other people. And always assume it's a good one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> True. Yeah. I had someone inbox me. I think this was like five years ago. I want to say just just from things I post on on social media, like clients mm -hmm. yeah. um, before and afters or people accomplishing goals. And she like, I helped her lose 25 pounds. I'm like I haven't spoken to you since high school, <laughs> but just from following my content and where that really became crystal clear for me was I used to do a tip of the day. And I would do it every day. And like everyone else, like, oh, you know, there's really no no likes, no comments, you know, no shares. Like pe people don't care about this. And so then I stopped doing it. And then my inbox started blowing up. And they're like, hey, like, where's the tip, tip of the day been? Like, you know, I, I, I look at it every morning. You know, so it's like just because, you know, people may not comment, like or share doesn't mean that they're not being impacted. Right. And and it's so true for everything, because even with the, the Yelp in our society, mm. people don't always tell you when something great is happening, but they will yep. always tell you when some, as a matter of fact, as a speaker, you know, when you speak, people want to come up to you and tell you their story, their version of your story, which is great. Mm. That's the way they've connected, but it's yep. usually got something kind of negative in it that ends in positive. But yeah. So again, for that's a great thing to remember for us as speakers and business owners as well is always take the time. It's not about stroking ego. It's not saying, oh, you did this thing for me. It's just, you know, restaurants, it's it's businesses, it's gyms or so just, you know, to be appreciative to say thank you or we see you. We know we see you. Oh, my gosh, that's so valuable mm -hmm. right now. Yes, we see you. We know you're here. Maybe reaching out. How are you doing right now when you can't be open or when you're shutting back down? How can I support you? Yeah, you know, agreed. All right, yep. all right. So we're gonna bring it down it's right about twelve o'clock. So thank you very much for taking the time to join and sharing your knowledge and your expertise. Much appreciated. Thank you for having me. I'm glad we were able to connect. It's been really fun. Yes, awesome. Glad to hear. All right, so I'm gonna bump you out, but don't don't go away yet. <laughs> all right, so that was Cricket Harrison joining us. So now hopefully you got some good takeaways from this. Like you have power inside of you. Okay. Her contact info is strolling, scrolling across the bottom of the, of the screen. If you want to talk to her further or look into her work, 
because we do this because we care. We care about you. We want you to reach your goals. We want you to reach your untapped potential, especially if you're in an unfulfilling situation. You don't have to stay there. There are other avenues and let us help. All right. SmartSuccessInc.com. Now, you might ask yourself, why are you promoting her and not yourself? Because that's how it works. It's about collaboration. Right. She can bring something to the table that I can't. She's further along in this game than I am. And I have no problem saying that. And I'm also confident enough in my abilities that she and I can collaborate together and both impact the lives of other people. So that's why we do this. So if you have things in your way, if you are stuck making excuses, just remember, shut up and grind and make your dreams happen. Have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at robert underscore B underscore foster on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.